This is a story about four couch potatoes, and oh my god, I should be drinking for this. This bag of ham is Cliff Steele, an egocentric racing champion. Now his brain is all that's left, housed inside this robot by this man, Niles Calder. Rita Farr was a star of the silver screen, then a mysterious liquid changed her into a terrifying blob, forcing her to hide from common society. Larry Trainer, hotshot pilot, perfect life. Mix in cosmic radiation and the worst sunburn you've ever seen, and voila, an energy being living inside a man. Finally, Jane, 64 individual personas with unique superpowers. Each one just oh so precious. Which one of you wants me to one day, these clowns jumped in their clown car, drove into clown town, and a three-ring circus broke out. The only thing this sideshow needs is a trained donkey, which brings us to me. I had a Nazi turn me into a Rubik's Cube, manifested my desire for chaos into this flatulent beast, and set this towny town to self-destruct. All caught up? Good. Let the pretentious title sequence begin. Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mala! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Caldell. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast, where we talk about the Doom Patrol a lot, in various forms. Yes, true. Hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. You can reach us via email at waitingfordoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out Doug Zavisha's excellent posts related to the Doom Patrol at mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com and all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and podbean.com. And I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks. And if you want to get in touch with our Sentient Show Twitter account, that's Wilfred at WFD Pod. Hey, Wilfred. And today we're going to be talking about some Doom Patrol stuff. Sort of, sort of. Anyway, but um, anyway, Mike, how has your week in comics been? Uh, my week in comics has been a little bit light on. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, to be honest. Um, I've read uh, the conclusion to the Just War arc in uh, Wonder Woman, uh, which was written by the new series writer G. Willow Wilson. That was really cool. I really enjoyed that. That was, that was great stuff. I also read uh, a Superman comic, would you believe? Ooh. Uh, yeah, which which was called uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Ah, wow. Yeah. And, uh, how, how did that go for you, Mike? Um, I did not hate it. Oh, yeah. It, it, Slap that on the back cover. Yeah, yeah, there, there's your, your full quote right there. Um, it it was okay. It was a little bit... Yeah, it I, I enjoyed it. I, I did feel bad for Crypto, though. Um, I won't give the spoils oh, away, yeah. but yeah. Um, the book was not kind to Crypto. Uh, the ending was a little bit uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. Ha, ha. Uh, so it was kind of like, uh, okay. You know. I would say that's fitting though, because it is. This is the sort of final tale of the pre-crisis Superman. Yeah. So you know, to end with a wink is very Superman. So oh that's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the rest of my time has been taken. I've been going to rock and roll shows. Would you believe? I've been to two rock and roll concerts in the one week. 
which Ooh. is uh, fe- feeling very young and, and, and vibrant and full of energy. Not really. Uh, I went and saw the Arctic Monkeys. They were very cool. Uh, and uh, a band called Ghost, who I absolutely love, and they were awesome, and they are fantastic. It's just a shame that they misprinted the name of the venue on the tour T-shirts. So they didn't play at the Tivoli. Apparently they played at the Trivoli, which... <laughs> Which sounds like they were playing at an Italian restaurant. Um, <laughs> but, oh yeah, so, uh, are, are both great uh, shows, great bands, but I really loved seeing Ghosts live. I'm a big fan of their, their music. Uh, for those that don't know, they're a, they're a Swedish metal band, but they're not like full-on, you know, rah-rah metal. They're more like, I guess, power metal, almost. But their themes and their songs are very doom and gloom and how Satan sort of thing, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Bit Cliff Richard. Uh, sure. <laughs> yes. But but even even my lovely Kylie, she was very impressed with the show, and she's not entirely into them. She appreciates some of their songs, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and comic book related, went and saw Captain Marvel. Ah, yes, so did I. So uh, did I. What did you think of it, Paul? Um, I thought it was a very good time. Fun. Mm. Fun film. My wife, uh, at the end of it, said to me, that's my favourite. So, wow, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that's a big call. Yes, I, I had one almost jump out of my chair moment, uh, and a, a few F-bombs were dropped in excitement <laughs> in certain scenes. But yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. I, I was very happy with what they did with it. Uh, and um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great fun film. Fun adventure and um, fuck the haters, basically. So. <laughs> 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 I will say, I will tell you that um, all three of us, um, my son and my wife and I, we all said the same thing at the same time in the um, blockbuster scene. We all went <laughs> jumping Jack Flash because <laughs> we saw it in the background. <laughs> wow! So, so what have you been up to, Paul, since we last spoke? Uh, I've been reading some comics and uh, I had some ear surgeries. So, oh yes. Uh, Yes, I had a, a small cancer on my ear, and they decided to um, treat my ear like a pizza and remove a slice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. And then, um, and then, like a bad pizza delivery man, butt the pizza up so there was no more slice gap left. Right. So they've done okay. that to my ear. Um, was so, that done by uh, uh, Dr. Trivoli? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was another doctor. So, um, But, yeah, that went really well. So they Excellent. were... They took the stitches out today and they're all patting themselves on the back because they did such a bloody good job and kept saying, it looks like an ear, which is kind of good, I guess. That is good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want any Niles Calder-esque, you know, joining of random body parts. No, no. no. We want things attached where they're meant to be attached yeah. in the right spots. And no, all. no puppy dogs on your head, sir. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah, but um, uh, comic-wise, yeah, well, Captain Marvel, um, been reading a bit of DC, so uh, getting on the DC. I caught up on um, new, uh, it's called Titans now, I think, just the Titans book by Abnett and very other people. Um, Did I say very other people? You did say, right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And found that to be okay. Okay. So, but... Nothing special, and uh, having read it once, I will never reread it in my life. Right, wow, that's, okay. That's, so yeah. this isn't the Teen Titans, this is the Young Adult Titans. Then. Yeah, this is uh, the Sad Titans. <laughs> right, because they're grown up and they realise that everything's terrible, right. Well, everything is terrible, and it's got um, Beast Boy in it, or Changeling, or whatever they're calling him nowadays, but he's very um, uh, he's very bestial, which okay. is... Uh, 
not my favourite depiction of him. Right. Uh, oh, but on the flip side, um, Wonder, Wonder Twins. I read issue two of Wonder Twins, mm-hmm. and that is um, bloody marvellous <laughs> and very funny. I, I, I hear there's a character in that called Druncula. Yeah, Count Druncula. Right. So, um, um, yeah, that's not his preferred name, but that's what everyone calls him, and he doesn't <laughs> like it. But basically, yeah, he um, is a, a vampire who um, f- tries to be sober but keeps preying on drunk people. Right. Um, okay. uh, he, gets, uh, he gets put in a LexCorp uh, storage facility, um, like a you know sort of prison holding cell, but they stick him in the drunk tank because they're full. Oh, God. <laughs> Which doesn't go well. Right. <laughs> Yes, but there's a, um, my favourite new character um, is a guy called the Scrambler who has uh, an egg on his, the front of his tunic and basically if he gets close to you he can swap um, brains with you temporarily. Right. Okay. So, so um, yes, he uses that to good effect to get out of jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. But he, he's quite clever because he gets to swap back to his own body and still get out of jail. So. Okay. Alright. Anyway, yeah, good times. Cool. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, Mark Russell and, uh, it's Stephen Byrne, that's who it is. Yes. Stephen Byrne. Yeah, they do a great job on that book, and I recommend it, and everyone should buy it, and it should be a massive hit, um, but it won't be, but it'll be one of those fantastic things that the people who read it will love. Yes. Okay. The discerning few. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the Wonder Twin Elite. Yes. Yeah. The too cool for everyone else Wonder Twin fans. Mm. <laughs> I was there at the beginning, so when the Wonder Twin movie comes out, yeah, you can say right. oh, Paul is an OG Wonder Twin fan. Yeah. Oh, look, there, there's Paul on the red carpet opening in America. <laughs> oh, wow! I, I bet you he'll go to Heroes Con again while he's there. Oh, has he yeah. been to Heroes Con? Yes, he has. <laughs> Just getting that out of the way early in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shall we look at the Doom Patrol news and maybe talk about the TV show for a bit? Can we please? Let's. So, in Doom Patrol news, there's um, a really cool new promo out for the Doom Patrol TV show, which has, like, um... Uh, the Doom Patrol team members sitting around uh, places like giant kaiju, um, but relaxing. Yeah, <laughs> is that the best way to describe it? So? Uh, I think I think Robot Man's like sitting in the middle of of like the space between f- freeway ramps or something, and yeah. and Cyborg is kind of casually strolling down Main Street in this city, and yeah, they're all like giant size. I don't quite get it, but it kind of works. Oh, and the white donkey's in there too. Sorry, albino yes. donkey. Yeah. Albino donkey in, yeah. a, in a canyon. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's cool. And um, Richard Case got to visit uh, the set, the uh, the Doom Patrol artist on Volume 2, uh, the the one that introduced, created Crazy Jane with Grant Morrison. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he got to visit the set and hang out and hold Cliff Steele's uh, head. <laughs> <laughs> Richard looked like he was having a ball there, and so he should have. Yeah. It looked like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, Richard, I, I met Richard at Heroes Con. Yes, I've been to Heroes Con. And he's a pretty um, soft-spoken, sort of mild-mannered guy. Like, I, um, I would agree, because I too have met Richard at Heroes Con as well. I've been, yeah, I've been oh, to you're... Heroes Con. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's very um, humble and quiet. Yes. And, uh, 
you know, and an extraordinary talent. But uh, yeah, it was great to see him um, having that thrill, and you know, I and being appreciated too as a creator and mm. honoured. So that was really nice. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, have, have have you been watching the Doom Patrol at all, Mike? Uh just a little bit. Yes. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Yeah, I've been watching it too. Mm. It's pretty pretty rad. Mm. It, it's it, yes. It's to the max, as the kids say. <laughs> it's gnarly. Yes, it's extreme, dude. It is. <laughs> yeah, we've caught up with the last uh, three shows, which has taken us up to episode four. So um, if you don't want to hear any spoilers about the show, um, maybe uh, check the show notes and come back after this little chat. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about episode two right now. So um, that's called Donkey Patrol. Mm. And um, yeah, this was basically um, everyone, the whole town of Cloverton got sucked into the vortex and um, the chief got sucked into, and it was sort of the aftermath of that. Um, so, uh, but introducing Cyborg as um, a friend of Niles Calder from the past, who mm-hmm. um, has an interest in what's happened in Cloverton and comes along to see if he can help. And is, he's a Justice League member, so there's lots of name dropping of the Justice League in this. Um, some of it fairly um, unkind by Cliff. <laughs> Is he a member of the league, though, at this point? I thought he said... Well, he's, he said something about his dad saying in, like, five years he'll he'll be, you know, in the running to join them. So I think maybe he's hung out with the heroes a bit, but I don't think he's a full member yet. Oh, but yes. re- regardless, I thought his introduction... Because I've, I've been curious as to what the hell he, is he doing there? How is he going to fit in? And I think they've done a really good job of bringing him in. He's kind of like the straight man in the team. Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. the person who wants the team to be heroic and, you know, do traditional hero stuff. Um, yeah, which the team sort of fights against. So you really do need a character who says, come on, let's do the right, right thing and this is what it is and we'll have team meetings and debriefings and, you know... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's some very good relationships being built with... Um, Cyborg, uh, Vic, um, and I think one of the special ones is uh, the, the animosity between him and Cliff. Like Cliff is oh, yeah. always giving him uh, shit and teasing him about everything. <laughs> um, but I think the other friendship that's uh, interesting is the one between him and Rita. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem to be, you know, there seems to be a special bond between the two. Like he wants Rita to be her best self, you know, and she sort of fights against that. Rita seems to be wanting to be fairly passive and you know so she's very but, reluctant to do anything yes yeah. except what she's told by the chief and mm. without the chief there she's happy to sit back so yeah. I mean this episode was a bit like where's the chief how can we get the chief back and it really um, took the opportunity to delve a lot into Jane um, so giving you the nature of her uh, personalities a bit more and the concept of the underground was introduced um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, for a lot of this episode, and this one uh, seems to me like a really long episode compared to the others, so... Okay. Yeah, I I watched it again today, and it it did seem lengthy. (laughs) I I, I will have to say that I am glad that, as far as we know and what we've been shown, Niles is not involved or responsible in any way for Cyborg's creation. Because I, I, I've seen chatter online saying, oh, if, if Niles, you know, is the cause of Vic becoming Cyborg, oh, I'm going to write. And, okay. But thankfully, that does not appear to be the case, which is cool. Well, there is a bit of a mystery about um, 
you know, the accident that um, caused uh, Vic to become a cyborg um, mm. and killed his mother. Like, um, it seemed coincidental. I mean, uh, in the show, uh, Vic gets really angry and sweeps some chemicals off a lab table and then there's an explosion at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it could be a coincidence and it could be something happening at the same time. Um, but he... At the start of episode three, he analysed that scene, remember, and um, yeah. played back what happened in the lab and um, was looking for, was it doctored at all? But, um, yeah, and interestingly enough, he was referencing a computer called Grid, who, um, if you've read the comics, Grid becomes a sentient evil computer, mm. sort of. Uh, we wouldn't want sentient but, evil technology lurking around us at all, oh, would we? Well, that would have no place in the Doom Patrol, wouldn't it? No. <laughs> yeah. Or on any sort of podcast that might talk about them. Yeah, so. but I did want to shout out to the show. Well done for introducing a brand new character for Jane Silvertongue. Yeah, Silvertongue's awesome. She, yeah, she kicks so ass. So Silvertongue says things, and they appear in the air as um, three-dimensional metal words um, that mm. she can then use as weapons, and yeah. you know, sl- hurl at people and stab things with, and turn into swords and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, and mostly she swears, which is what appears in the air. <laughs> There, there is, I, I have noticed, there's a fair bit of swearing on the show, which there I, is. Just... I, I was not expecting, to be honest, but it seems yeah. to work. Yes, the younger members of my family are not watching this show. Um... <laughs> shocker, shocker. Mm. But uh, I did find um, episode two, um, yeah, I, I thought some of the conflict with Jane seemed a bit pointless at the end of the day. I mean, a lot of it was trying to find out information about where the chief went. And um, basically, when and Jane wasn't forthcoming because her, she, she kept rotating her personalities, and they wouldn't s- talk about it. And at the end, she finally just did. But there was all these shenanigans with the personalities in the meantime. Yeah, so, the the fight between her and Cliff and Vic seemed a bit forced, a bit gratuitous. Yeah, but um, you know, there is this um, growing development of uh, the animosity between Larry and his energy, uh, his negative being. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so um, Larry tries to abandon the team and catch buses, and uh, the energy being basically uh, sabotages every attempt to get on a bus by (laughs) causing Larry to collapse every time he zooms out. Mummy, the mummy's waking up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but um, yeah, it was interesting at the end, Larry um, took off his bandages and you saw how um, horrifically scarred he is now. Mm. Um, There's a lot more stuff about his... His lover, John, yep. and some conflict there. And that continued in the next episode, Puppet Patrol. There was more of that at the start. So, um, yeah, but uh, there's hints that uh, Larry's uh, energy being is suffering inside Larry just as much as, uh, or probably worse than Larry is. Well, yeah, because in the most recent episode, you know, he watches a, a, well, the... The, the negative being sets up the videotape of Larry being interviewed, and in that, the, the being comes out into a contraption that Niles has built that will allow it to talk. And he said, you know, what, what's it like being inside Captain Trainer? And he said, well, torture is the only torture, audible word yeah. that we could hear. And it was like, oh, gee, okay. Yeah. Never, never thought of that or expected that, so... Yeah. Yeah. But getting back to Puppet Patrol, I mean, this one was really about Paraguay, and uh, they're tracking. They found a photo that um, talked about the dog. Oh, oh, oh! Crap! We should mention at the start of episode two, Ezekiel, the Doomsday Prophet, a cockroach. 
character find of 2019. <laughs> yeah, so it's a new character. He's a cockroach. He believes uh, the end is nigh and likes to preach about it. Um, and he got sucked into the vortex and presumably emerged from safely from the vortex at the end when the donkey exploded and everything came back. Well, I, I do believe he returns in the next episode, in episode Ooh. five. Uh, from, if I recall correctly, uh, with the... the media blurb about what's coming up i'm pretty sure ezekiel was listed in the credits so yeah ezekiel's time has come (laughs) (laughs) but um bits i got from the sec uh the third episode uh the brotherhood of evil was active in the 1930s Mm. Mm. yeah yeah so that really points to the chief having um if he's involved in, he's an enemy of theirs, then he's been around for a long time. He's mucking around with immortality serum or something. Yep, yep. Which yeah. will hopefully lead to General Immortus turning up somewhere. Yes, mm. yes. And uh, the rest of the Brotherhood would be, perhaps be welcome. Well, yeah, but it it's going to make you question how everyone is so long-lived in this show. Like, if Mala yeah. turns up, how old's Mala meant to be? And do you think Von Fuchs is going to end up being the brain? Or do you think he's meant to be Immortus? Um, Yeah, they're good thoughts, and I'm not sure. I mean, I'd love him to be the brain, but, you know, perhaps some other brain could be the brain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be him, but, uh, yeah, he, he looked like he died from a few... You know, well-aimed words from Jane, but perhaps he didn't. So. Uh, I believe those words he... were, "Are we the same, motherfucker?" <laughs> yes, I think they were. <laughs> but yeah, this was um, "Let's kill some Nazis," and uh, Cliff really came to the party with that. So. Didn't he? Just he he tore one of them in half, and then and... hit another one with half of that person. <laughs> yes, yes, he did, <laughs> as one does. But uh, uh, very. Um, I found the violence kind of uh, out of character for Cliff, and I was like, ooh, that's a bit extreme. I mean, you know, I'm no prude with violence, but it Mm. did seem like, you know, here is a character, you know, basically killing people left, right, and centre, you know, with CGI blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, You know, so, but it, I mean, I was pleased to see in the fourth episode, it looks like there's going to be some consequences and follow up on that. The fact that Jane, um, you know, accuses Cliff of, you know, being a monster because he because mm. of that violence inside him. I, I think he just snapped. I think by that episode he's you know just had enough of all this weirdness, and I think yeah, unfortunately he snapped and just lost control and took it out on those Nazis. Yeah, or von Fuchs inside each one of them, or yeah, something. yeah, Fuchtopia. What a, I love the name of that place. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have Steve, the tourist to Fooktopia, who um, oh, Steve, <laughs> Steve. So this is—I mean, this is probably the biggest spoiler of that episode—is Steve at the end emerges from the wreckage after the Doom Patrol have departed and blown everything up, and he's turned into someone we like to call the Animal Vegetable Mineral Man. Oh yeah, yeah. So Sven has not, become Steve. <laughs> yeah, no Sven Larsen in this one. No. Um, yeah, a disgruntled scientist. Instead, it's um, body horror tourist Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. he went to Fooktopia with the hopes of getting magnetic feet and ended up getting a lot more than he bargained for. So. Yeah. 
But that um, was but, so cool. That was so cool when he came out of that cell. And you, when his celery-like fingers gripped on the door and you were just like, what? And then he took the step out and you were like, oh my God! It was so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have to give special mention to Cliff's swearing uh, in this episode. It reached transcendent uh, proportions. <laughs> it was just amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Mm, mm. And I did particularly enjoy the uh, the bus trip with the Doom Patrol before yeah. on their way to Paraguay after yeah. um, Cyborg lost his jet privileges. Yes. His yes. I love readers like, please tell us that is taking us to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> when they're all waiting at the front, there was just a classic scene. There was. I, I love how funny the show is as well. It's just yeah. there, there's so many great humorous moments that always hit the hit the mark every time um and and i every episode i'm sitting there grinning like an idiot uh when they're just being silly and arguing even but it's it's so well done i I love the show yeah yeah but i mean there's a very clear indication in the puppet show that um niles uh, has been around and interfered with von fuchs's plans Mm -hmm. in the past yeah yeah And then we had episode four, which I'm going to call right now my favourite episode so far, which I, to be honest, I was like, oh, this is going to be an adaption of a comic that I know or a series, you know, three comics that I know. I don't know if I'm going to be super into it. And Mm -hmm. I loved it. And, you know, I thought it was such a good adaption of the source material. This is the one that is straight out of the comics. Yeah, yeah. I I actually read them again today, uh, issues... 31 to 33 of Volume 2. And, yes, they've left some stuff out, and, you know, we're still yet to see what happens in the follow-up episode, but they were pretty much spot-on with what they covered and what they did put in there. Uh, there are a couple of bits that were different. Obviously, that's going to happen with any adaptation, but how good was Willoughby Kipling? Mark Spencer is... fantastic. <laughs> he did such a great fantastic. job. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. And and I couldn't help but as I'm reading those issues today, um, I was hearing the actors' voices in my head. So you know, it's already having an effect on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some changes, but I thought the changes, you know, did a lot to sort of streamline the story and you know, make the connection between um, the Elliot's parents and the uh, what they called the, the Archons. Archons. Archons yeah. of Nernheim. Yeah. Yeah, I love the yeah. fact that one of them's just sitting there dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it was my my favorite part of that episode is when Willoughby is about to take care of Elliot by killing him, uh, and Rita just shoots out her uh, elastic arm and shoves him up against the wall. I was like, "Yes, girl, get it! Oh, that's brilliant!" Yeah. Finally, some Ritaing. Yes, yes, some beginning of Rita. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 But um, you know, uh, Willoughby Kipling is, of course, the uh, the Constantine you get when you can't get Constantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I loved uh, oh the dry bachelors the way they you know the lo- letters exploding whenever oh, they yeah. got killed was fantastic yeah. and it managed to take all this stuff like some of the stuff in the comics was fairly horrific like um, Baphomet particularly is more horrific in the comics mm-hmm. and this sort of just made it a bit more. Um, you know, palatable and yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're saying, look at how crazy this stuff is in the source material. Let's keep what we can, streamline it, 
and still make it accessible for new people that have never read it or you know and are experiencing the patrol for the first time i think they're they're doing a fantastic job of that uh and and i know that i've been impatient with seeing you know them become the quote-unquote doom patrol and you know heroing up but i'm really enjoying the hero's journey of them getting to there as well and and seeing the reactions on online of people that haven't experience the patrol as you and i have and we know what's going to happen and well for the most part uh, and and we know what the characters are like and just watching them get to there has been so much fun it's such a yeah. so well done yeah and i feel like the things they leave out of the comic um they don't have to put them in because it's already oversaturated with stuff like oh the yeah comic really yeah. does throw 20 ideas at you at once and mm. they you know they're picking the best the best 10 you know, like, um, yeah, well, maybe we'll see more of the cult of the unwritten book, like the, the kite people and things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious as to, yeah, how they are going to continue that story because the next episode called Paw Patrol involves a pug of some, a pug dog. And I, that wasn't in the story. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I like that they're, they're keeping true to the source, but adding their own twist on stuff as well. So, yeah. but but how good did the the decorator's eye look in the sky when the nuns were <laughs> yes. reading the book? It was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic! Yeah, and yeah, I never thought I'd see this brought to life so well. What a time uh, to be alive, Paul! <laughs> as we say, what a time to be alive! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, loving the show. Can't wait to watch the next one and mm-hmm. see what's happening and the one after that. So, yeah, four episodes in. We've got 11 to go of the season. It's that, that's be amazing. Thing. We, we've come to the cult of the unwritten book and the decreator and Willoughby Kipling in episode four. And, yeah, there's still 11 to go. I mean, I, I, my, the mind boggles at what they're going to pack in to the remaining 11 of the first season. It's yep. just insane. It's just... Oh, my gosh. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Fantastic. Anyway, is that ticking that I hear? You bet your sweet behind it is, Paul, and that is the Doom Clock. So, yes, as we look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, we can see that it's been just over 17 weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves. That was issue 12 of volume 6 from Gerard Way, Jeremy Lambert, Dan McDay, Tamara Von Villain, Nick Darrington, Todd Klein, Molly Mahan, and Mark Doyle. That issue saw the Reynolds family fighting to free the Demonscape from Margoth, the Demon Lord, and we discussed it back in episode 131. Uh, as far as we know, there is no issue 13 scheduled at this stage. At this stage. At this stage. I, I'm still really surprised that there is nothing on the shelves, um, despite the show being on the air. Yeah. It's, it's really... Uh, I'm confused by this, Paul. How does it make you yeah. feel? I'm puzzled and perplexed. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's a fair fair feelings to have. We can it's... combine that into puzz, puzzplexing. I'm puzzplexed. <laughs> Sound like penny farthing, then. Perplexed, sir. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, we. Uh, I'm hoping we will have something on the shelves at some point in the future. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're waiting till the end of season one. Oh, maybe. Which is but still why wait? Yeah, I know. I mean, DC, we're right here. Jeremy Lambert, get in touch. You know stuff. I know you know stuff, dude. Just <laughs> As I said before, in a non-drug-related way, hook a brother up. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> sounds so druggy every time. Sorry. <laughs> You got any more of them Doom Patrol comics? Um, anyway, now, shall we move on to Paul's favourite part of the show, the This Week in Doom Patrol History quiz? Ooh, I, I'm stoked. I can't wait. You're stoked? Okay. You're very stoked. Cool. That's good to know. I'm going to put a slightly different spin on this and add a, a new quirk to it. Uh, oh. Given uh, the recent episode of DCOCD where you had the Married with Comics couple on the show... Yes. Uh, Jonathan and... Maggie? Maggie. And Why did you say that name? (laughs) (laughs) And the use of dice. So I'm going to spin this up. Uh, I've got a six-sided dice here. I will uh, roll the die. I will get Wilfred to post a picture of that die to prove what was rolled, in case there's any questioning the validity of this stunt. (laughs) And that's the number of questions you'll get to ask... About the issue. Okay. Alright. Okay. So, here we go. Five. You get to ask five questions. Well, that's plenty. That's that's heaps. That, that's plenty, you say? Alright. I'm, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm just going to take a quick photo of this, and, um, and uh, then I'll get Wilfred to post it in a little bit. Okay. So, question one. Go for it. Um, how much is this comic? This comic cost one dollar fifty American. One dollar fifty American. Uh, is this comic a comic of the eighties? No, it is not. Oh. Okay. Uh, is it a Doom Patrol comic? An actual Doom Patrol comic? It is. Yes. Okay. Not the eighties. A dollar fifty. Um. Okay, it's very perplexing because I'm trying to think when was it not at, um, when it was a dollar fifty, but it wasn't in the eighties. Um, right. Question four. Question four. <laughs> I hate you. Um, <laughs> who is the cover artist of this comic? The cover artist of this is Gavin Wilson. Gavin, Gavin Wilson, the Gavin Wilson. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> and and I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a bonus hint. It's not really hand drawn art. Oh, okay. It's it's more it's more like a photo of someone or something. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm still confused by the price. I thought it was more expensive when uh, they would did the photo covers with. Uh, w- would it know, help the... you if I told you the Canadian or uh, British price? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so it's Doom Patrol Volume Two. It is. I'm thinking. Is it Pollock Run? Is that your final question? It is. It is not the Pollock Run. Ah. Oh. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Going on sale for $1.50 on March 10th of 1992, with the cover date of April of that year, was issue 54 of Doom Patrol Volume 2. Oh, and, and the cover by Gavin Wilson has kind of a, a photo of, um, I'm guessing it's like a, a, a purpose-made Negative Man or Rebus doll. 
because the story is titled Enigma Regis and was yes, brought to us yeah. by Grant Morrison, Richard Case, Stan Walk, Johnny Workman Jr., Daniel Vozzo, and Tom Payer. And this is one of Paul's favourite stories in that it's about Rebus having sex with themselves, going to the moon, and laying an egg. That's yeah. the one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there you go. I'll get Wilfred to uh, post a, a, a picture of that cover-up as well as the die roll. Uh, but, um, yeah. Look, you, you were pretty close on some of it. You know, yeah, yeah. I I, th- I thought it was a dollar ninety five at that point, which was confusing me. But yeah. I was wrong. I'm yeah. wrong. Look, nineties are still close to the eighties, so <laughs> you were <Yes>. very close. <laughs> we covered this issue back in episode seventy six from November of two thousand sixteen. So you can check that episode out for more details. And that is it for the Doom Clock this week. <laughs> Hi everybody, my name's Hub, and I host a show called Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. Every week, we read either a Defenders comic book from the 70s, or a New Teen Titans comic from the 80s. I give a synopsis of that comic that I have handcrafted to amuse and inform, and then my good-for-many-things brother Cory comes over and we talk about what we found interesting about the comic we just read. It's a lot of fun, and we hope you'll join us for it. Anything you'd like to add, Corey? I like cocaine from an animal's butthole. Mm. It is. So good. It is. Paradise. Well, Corey, I don't really think that's appropriate. We're trying to do a promotion for our podcast here. Shut up. Okay, fair enough. Any final thoughts? Of course. Well, let's hear them. I have eaten all the beaver butt. (laughs) You have eaten none. And beaver's butt is pretty good. There you have it. Tighten up the defense. That's T-I-T-A-N. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. It's probably worth mentioning. I'm the one who does the editing. Catch the wave of the future and hang ten on it with us. Cowabunga. Now it's the part of the show where we dive deep into something Doom Patrol related, and today we're looking at, um, well, going off on a bit of a tangent, literally. Ah! Um, we'll get, ah <laughs> yes, um, sometime in the mid-90s uh, or late-90s, Dan Jurgens had a great idea of saying, we've got all these DC characters and teams and everything like that. What if we just tried to take the names and just imagine new stuff based on the names. Um, and that's what he did. And he got a whole bunch of other creators involved. And, uh, yeah, so we got um, the Doom Patrol, the Tangent Doom Patrol, and Mike's going to take us for the first one looking at. And take it away, Mike. Yes. So, uh, Tangent Doom Patrol uh, came out October 1st, 1997, with a cover date of December of that year. For a, a mere two dollars ninety five for thirty eight pages, oh, it's a bit steep. Uh, written by Dan Jurgens, Sean Chen did the pencils, inks were by Kevin Conrad and Raymond Crissing. Letters were done by Dave Lamphere, and the colorist was Jason Wright. So yeah, as as Paul said, uh, Tangent was 
pretty much the idea all came from Dan Jurgens, and it was published from '97 to '98 uh, in two separate kind of series of one shots. Uh, the basic premise of this line uh, was that it would focus on all new characters using existing DC names. So there was still a Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Nightwing, sort of uh, Sea Devils, Metal Men. Uh, there was also a Joker. However, Jurgens went on to clarify that with this idea in the Tangent Earth, it's actually been greatly influenced by the presence of superpowered beings. So while the main DCU Earth is essentially the same as our own, uh, everything from the economy, the geography and, and politics uh, of the Tangent Earth are defined by that world's superhero community. So the starting point for this same yet different universe was the Cuban Missile Crisis, during which the Atom, the first superhero of Tangent Earth, inadvertently caused the incident to escalate into a limited nuclear exchange, which resulted in the obliteration of both Florida and Cuba. Well done, the Atom. Uh, so the city of New Atlantis is built out of the remains of Atlanta, and this is where the new Joker house from. We have mutated sea creatures becoming known as the Sea Devils, and uh, continuing to mirror our real world, Tangent Earth also experiences Soviet Union's invasion of Czechoslovakia, which leads to the creator of a new Manhunter and sees uh, a team called the Metal Men being deployed as a Black Ops squad. And elsewhere in China, the government had begun its own genetic experimentation program, which leads to the creation of Supergirl and Power Girl. You caught all that? That's not too okay, much. Okay, yeah. You, you're all caught up to that? Uh, the background, yeah. Th- there is, yes. Uh, so, how do the Doom Patrol fit into this strange new world? Well, like the premise of Tangent Promises, it is literally just Doom Patrol in name, and unfortunately nothing else. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So... On October 1st, at this stage, yeah. So on October 1st, 2030, the Earth is literally disintegrating. Lord Air's Day and her boyfriend Peter are running through the city of New Atlantis as the city falls apart around them, with Lord Air's determined to reach her mother at her laboratory, despite both Peter and an officer of the NAPD insisting that they go to a shelter instead. Smugly laying some exposition on the cop, we learn that Lauders has been called Firehawk by her mum since she was three, don't you know? And some quick acrobatics has her ditching both men and making it to Daylight Theoretical Labs. I I don't get the Firehawk name in this because it's mentioned twice and it has no connection to any sort of Firehawk at all. Anyway, uh, Lourdes races through the building, thinking on how every reputable scientist other than her mother thinks the Earth will survive these disasters it's experiencing, before finding her mum and her friends prepping their super sci-fi time ship jet for takeoff. So let's get the quick character intros out of the way. Lourdes' mum is Dr. Deirdre Day, a rogue scientist, and her friends are Rampage the all-too-human-looking cyborg and Star Sapphire, who gained a crystallised body and superpowers thanks to an incident when she was cryogenically frozen many years in the past. Basically, don't get cryogenically frozen with jewellery, kids. Yes. That's what you'll come out with crystalline hair and skin and be able to shoot out energy blasts, apparently. So their preparations are suddenly cut short as the Atom and officers of the NAPD burst into the lab with Adam begging Deirdre to stop her plan. But she and the team board the Kitty Hawk and make a quick launch, even with the Atom flying after them. Yeah, so Tangent Atom is more like an atomic-powered Superman rather than a scientist who can shrink, and he's also the grandson of the original Tangent Atom. You got that? Still yep. with me? Yep. Yep, yep. 
Anyway, the ship makes it into orbit. The Atom is still trailing them. As Deidre says that he was a nuisance when they knew each other 20 years ago and still is now. And it's at this exact moment he makes eye contact with Lorders and has a weird sense of familiarity. Anyway, the Earth explodes and the ship vanishes in time, only to come crashing down 33 years earlier in the middle of Times Square in New York City. Despite all the commotion and property damage, the team emerged from the ship, and with the help of a cop, it's not too long before they've arranged a press conference to explain their mission. That was conveniently quick. Uh, if they can stop three disasters from happening in this time, they can save the Earth from destruction in 2030. And those disasters are... A Soviet shuttle bound for Mars will explode during launch, wiping out the Russian space base. The Russians will then assassinate an official from the U.S. National Security Agency. And finally, a storm will cause a power surge in New York, which will cause an experiment to fail and thereby destabilize the Earth's core. Okay. Still, mm-hmm. still with me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course, the assembled media laugh all of this off as madness, even more so when Star Sapphire is, for some reason, introduced as having precognitive abilities, but she can't actually prove anything further. So having now been conveniently labelled as a Doom Patrol by the media, the team makes it back in time to their ship, just managing to prevent it from getting towed away, and learning from a news article that the Russians have successfully launched their Mars voyage. And oh, if only that was where the story ended. But no, Rampage accesses his historical data to blurt out that Russian missions were so large back in the back in this day, uh, that they were launched over successive days. So they might still be in with a chance to save the future. Isn't that good news, Paul? No, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still there? Yeah. yeah, sorry. So the Doom Patrol flies to Russia, locates the base, and begins investigating the rocket, as Lorders wonders aloud how they're actually meant to stop the explosion if they don't know what to look for. Sapphire has a brilliant idea of trying to erect a force field around a ship, but of course this gives their presence away. A fight breaks out with security guards, one of who fires a rocket launcher at the team, which misses them, hits one of the ship's engines, and causes the base to go up in flames. Strike. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, whoops indeed. Strike one. Elsewhere, Director Moore of the secret organisation called Nightwing, who looks remarkably like Harvey Dent, aka Two-Face, he's viewing footage of the Russian base exploding and getting brought up to speed on this Doom Patrol who have appeared out of nowhere. He and his men put two and two together, realise that the Patrol are time travellers here to reshape their own future, and so they send out one Agent Wiley to bring them in, which means taking them out and blaming the Russians. So Agent Wiley tracks the team down due to them parking their ship on the roof of the hotel they're hiding in, that was clever, and quite Mm. confidently tells them he needs to bring them in for their own security. However, Lorders and Rampage realise he's the government official that the Russians assassinated in their timeline. And surprise, surprise, Rampage also detects the bomb hidden in Wiley's pen, which he claims was meant to go off after he left, but anyway, kaboom. Star Sapphire creates a force bubble to help the team float down to escape, and they're on the run again. Strike two. They're not doing well. They're really not. No. Deidre suddenly realises that Wiley's people are trying to hijack her ship from the roof using a helicopter, and she gets Star Sapphire to blast them away. But of course, she misses, hits one of the chronal pods on the Kitty Hawk, and the ensuing explosion rips a hole in reality. And it's at this point that the patrol all start freaking out when Lourdes realises that they are responsible for Earth's eventual destruction. Womp womp. Yeah, I know, right? 
As Deirdre tries to figure out, figure out how that can even be possible, the Adam swoops in offering to help. Note that this is the same Adam who tries to stop them 33 years from this point, and according to Lourdes, is much cuter now, much to her mother's annoyance. And so despite this Im- heavily implied electric complex, the patrol and Adam work together, running with Dr. Day's theory that the remaining chronal energy in their ship should fuse the rift shut. Sure enough, the fireworks from the rift caused the power in New York to go out, and this is when Deirdre realises that it was her father's experiment at the daylight labs of this time that puts the final nail in Earth's coffin. So she and Lourdes run off to try and prevent that from failing, while the rest of the team and the Atom seal the rift, causing another massive explosion, and the Kitty Hawk comes crashing down to the ground. Meanwhile, Zachary Day, Deirdre's father, is freaking out about the effect the rift storm will have on his probe experiment, and urges his wife and their daughter, a much younger Deirdre, to get to a shelter just as the power goes out. However, adult Deirdre and Lourdes have snuck into the lab at this moment, and after Lourdes goes all extreme firehawk once again, she takes out a security robot, and Deirdre uses the power battery within that downed robot to recharge the lab and save the day. Hooray! Yay. All right. <laughs> the patrol reconvene outside the lab, only partially convinced that they saved the future of Earth, even though Deirdre insists the Adam will remember all of this from his past and warn them all of this in their future. Meanwhile, at the Kitty Hawk crash site, a reporter asks the Adam for a comment on everything that's just occurred, and he replies that he wishes he could, but those chronal engines blasted him and he can't record the last 30 minutes at all. Bob, Bob. Mm. <laughs> so, so Paul, what what did you think of this uh, first outing for the Tangent Doom Patrol? It's a very long comic, isn't it? <laughs> um, I might withhold my opinion till I do my synopsis of part two. But what do you think, Mike? I think I like the art. I think the art. Yeah, it's great art. The, yeah. the art is great. I Sean think, Chen, mm, Keith. Yep. And Kevin Conrad. Yeah, it, it's it, the art is great stuff. I think, I think, I would probably enjoy it more if I read more of the tangent one shots to get a better understanding of the world of, of tangent, because as it is on its own, it's not that great. It's a little bit no. rushed, and 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 yes, I know it's a one shot, and. It's, you know, trying to do something different, and, yeah, it's, uh, it was, I just thought the story was okay with a really annoyingly weak ending. So, yeah. 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 But then, lucky us, the Doom Patrol return in another tangent one-shot from the following year, 1998, which was Nightwing Night Force, which Paul is going to tell us all about right now. Yeah, so, yeah, this, this is the comic, and this this is my synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so, this comic, uh, Tangent Nightwing, uh, it came out in September 1998, according to the cover, but it was actually out in July 29th, 1998. It's $1.95, uh, which confuses me. No, it doesn't confuse me. <laughs> um, it's called Into the Fire. It's uh, 22 pages, so sh- immersively shorter than the previous one. It's written by John Ostrander, with art by Jan Dersima, and lettered by Rich. Richard Starkings and coloured by Gloria Vasquez and has a lovely cover by Jan Dersima of the Nightwing team. Nightwing and Nightforce is the sub-type 
Anyway, yeah, well, you, you'll get the gist from my synopsis, so let's right. go. Okay. On the run in Russia, the bullshit Doom Patrol are trying to reach Dr. Day's local contact when they are confronted by a bunch of Matrix agents from the organisation Bullshit Nightwing who negate bullshit <laughs> Star Sapphire's powers with the pentagram tie-pins and chuck little bullshit batterings called bullshit batwings that expand and wrap around her. Before they can disable the rest of the team, they are confronted by the local team Meridian with their members Bullshit Obsidian and Bullshit Jade. Bullshit Obsidian turns a stone while Bullshit Jade generates a red energy dragon and the two of them tear the Bullshit Nightwing agents to pieces in tasteful silhouette. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just catching my breath. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, the Bullshit Doom Patrol agree to go with Bullshit Jade and Bullshit Obsidian because they are the local contacts that they were hoping to find. At the Pentagon, Metal Eye Guy and, I don't know, Professor X, that's what he looks like, uh, discuss the failure of the Bullshit Nightwing agents. Um, Metal Eye Guy decides it's time to send in Bullshit Gravedigger and Bullshit Night Force and then goes to catch up with the other Bullshit Dark Circle developments with some green golem dude known to me as Bullshit Creeper. En route in a jet to Moscow are the Bullshit Night Force, with members Bullshit Black Orchid, Bullshit Nightshade, Bullshit Hex, and Bullshit Gravedigger. In Moscow, the Meridian members lead the Bullshit Doom Patrol to a derelict prison, where a coffin opens to show some old, perfectly normal, sleeps-in-a-coffin dude who wants to drink some blood guy. After a quick blood beverage, he rejuvenates and introduces himself as Vampire Joseph Stalin. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he tells them how he secretly continued running Russia after recovering from his death and then offers the bullshit Doom Patrol political asylum. But Dr. Day is all like, no way, man. I know what an arsehole you are from our history books. They assume a fighting stance. Vampire Joseph Stalin whooshes around and grabs Talord's and assumes a biting position. Dr. Day tells the team, the bullshit Doom Patrol, to assume a, sur a surrendering position, which they do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bullshit Night Force have landed and gotten through customs ridiculously quickly. They are met by Bullshit Jade and Bullshit Obsidian, who tell them that they should all work together because they are totally not cool with Vampire Joseph Stalin secretly running Russia. They head to Lennon's tomb crypt hideout where Vampire Joseph Stalin has hooked the Bullshit Doom Patrol into a device that will suck their powers into his creature, the Bullshit KG Beast. Bullshit Night Force and Meridian arrive in time to fight J Vampire Joseph Stalin and the Cthulhu creature that he has summoned, and wackiness ensues. Bullshit Black Orchid conjures a spell that merges most of the Bullshit Doom Patrol into one being for some reason, and then the monster transforms into the Bullshit Ultra Humanite, uh, a giant robot-like thing. The energy from all these shenanigans calls Bullshit Obsidian to shatter, Bullshit night uh, Nightshade to burn, and all technology to die around the world. Uh, the surviving members of Meridian, Bullshit Night Force, and Dr. Day portal out of there before it's too late. Bullshit Hex is all sad and thinks everything sucks, but Bullshit Black Orchid declares that she will personally make sure that they everything gets fixed. The end? Yes, the end. <laughs> right. So, uh... <laughs> what did you think of... <laughs> That issue and that story. I loved it. No. <laughs> I just don't see the point. I mean, I, I feel like the tangent idea is kind of... I think it's fun for artists and creators to, to you mm -hmm. know, spitball. But I'm not, yeah. I'm not really convinced if it's fun to read. And I particularly don't think it works with teams. Because you're introducing a whole bunch of 
a whole team full of characters who are using the names of characters that you know, but they're not those characters you know. Whereas I, yeah. I think uh, the only other tangent books I've read were the Green Lantern one, which was sort of she was a mystical garden guardian with a a lantern who could you know yep. do stuff. I quite like that, but it worked a lot better because it's about one character doing one thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whereas this is you know you're just getting peppered with names that you know and. Um, yeah, and they're not the versions that you know, and it just seems like, you know, what's the point, like, honestly? Um, yeah, and, you know, if you're keeping track at home, the Doom Patrol have basically all disappeared at the end of this comic, except for Dr. Day, Dr. Deirdre Day, Dr. Da, 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 da. Um, so. <laughs> Dr. Doomsday, as they called her yeah, in the first one, yeah. 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 Yeah, and her son, Wednesday, or whatever his name is. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean the art. I think the art in the second one is better. Like uh, Jan Derson mm-hmm. is a great artist, and I really liked Vampire Joseph Stalin. I mean, it made me feel like I was suddenly reading Hellboy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like what? What's going on? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, well, well, I haven't read the the Nightwing Night Force issue, which hence why I burst out laughing at the mention of Vampire Joseph Stalin. But but yeah, there. There is another follow-on story, which I think was called um, Reign of the Superman or Reign of the Ultra Humanite, which the second run of Tangent Issues kind of was the introduction of that. Right. Um, so I, I don't think we'll bother looking to see if the Tangent Doom Patrol came back for that because, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It's... It seems... it's I think it's more fun for the creative teams. And it's a cool idea, you know, another different earth and the multiverse but yeah it's like okay why is lord is called firehawk just because she likes fighting why is rampage called rampage he's he doesn't really rampage much yeah he just seems like a, a, a cyborg um star sapphire was given a tiny bit of backstory um in that she was a diva at some point and then you know she partied too hard decided to get frozen and then it all went wrong um, okay, so yeah, it's it seems like a, a interesting idea, but yeah, it just kind of I, I I do think I would need to read more of the tangent books to enjoy it more. It's just yeah, it's like yeah, the the idea of taking names from something else and doing a completely different spin on it. It's like okay. Um, Right, <laughs> it's just, yeah. But you know, yeah, and I, I agree. Having having a team put before you uh, in a one shot with no real introduction, and yeah, I, I just don't really. I, I I'm glad I read this because I hadn't read it before, so I know to never read it again. But I just I didn't really care about any of the characters. I didn't really care that they were trying to save the Earth yeah. when they were the ones that caused it, and that, you know, the Adam, he forgot everything that happened, so he can't... Want, yeah, it was just... It was a bit disappointing. You know how this, would I think, would have worked? If it was yeah. a comedy. If it was a comedy. Like, yeah, probably. Like, it is kind of ridiculous that everything they're trying to stop, they're causing. And I, it would have probably been more interesting a read if they, it really leaned into that, and, you know, mm. you know, no matter what they did, they're just making things worse and worse and worse. 
you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, the, literally bringing doom to everybody around them through their actions <laughs> would, you know, that would probably make it more, um, mm. more fun, I think. Yeah. yeah. But, but, no. 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 All right. Move on, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I think we've well and really doomed Swain that way. We sure have. And now it's time for the Mailbag O Doom, where we go through your responses to our previous question of the week, which was, which comic creator's work do you purchase regardless of character or publisher? And first off, we heard from Princess Science Squad, who said, Dan Abnett and Kurt Busiek. It doesn't matter what either of them are writing, what company it's for, or what setting it's in. It's almost guaranteed to have interesting dynamic characters with engaging development arcs. Yeah. Mm, yeah, good point. Cool. Yeah, they're good creators. Uh, we heard from Arbat, Arbat F09, our friend, and he said, uh, mainly independent cartoonists like Peter Bagg, Dan Klaus, and Ivan Brunetti. They don't publish as often, so I can buy every new release. Cheap answer. Hashtag. Yeah, I, uh, fair call. I haven't read yeah. um, read a bit of Dan Klaus. I don't think I've read any Peter Bagg or Ivan Brunetti. Yeah, no, I, I think I've seen more of their art online when people are talking about it as as opposed to actually having read it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Keith G. Baker at KG Bunsey said, New comics? None. They're all disappointed me to the point of no return. Old comics? List is too long to mention. Ooh. Wow. Dissenter. Mm. Well, <laughs> we heard from our friend Kevin, uh, Kevin, and he said, These days, Jeff Lemire, but with the caveat of only his creator owns stuff... Good caveat, yeah. I think you get the best mm. stuff out of Jeff if you just read his creator stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Powers uh, chimed in with Jeff Johns. Cool. Never heard yeah. of him. Uh, up and comer. Yeah. No, he, well, yeah, he is a very you know, impressive creative force when he's on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, go- I'm probably going to get that Shazam book in trade. You know, cool. And there's Doomsday Clock, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, one thing at a time, Jeff. One thing at a time. <laughs> uh, we heard from the Creative Credit Podcast, and they said, Classic Denny O'Neill. Modern, I'll buy anything Sean Murphy does. Nice. Yeah, so you'll be getting those special projects that Sean does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Susan Canary chimed in with, For writing, it's Gal Simone, and for art, it's Patrick Gleason. Gal just makes everything better, and Pat is just the complete package of extreme talent and incredible decency. Oh, oh, thanks, Susan. That's, that's very cool. Yeah, uh, Pat's on, what, Detective Comics now? Yes, yes. So, hmm, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we hear from uh, Jack Rocher, Old Fashioned Outlaw on Twitter, and he said, uh, Jeff Johns not only is a fan of the characters he writes, in more cases than not, he does them justice. I think he, I don't know if he does them justice, but he does create a very um, self-contained media package out of characters. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I think he does a good job on him. Yeah, he, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he clearly loves his the subject matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the charming but deceitful Tim Price <laughs> at Tim Price seventeen, which is not his age. Uh, he answered with Peter David, Mark Wade. Really close to adding Dan Slot to that list. Nice, cool, some good stuff there. Uh, we heard uh, from Ted Killington, Justice Trek 2019 on Twitter, and he said, Chip Zdarsky. Chip is on fire at the moment. He's doing yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's doing um, that 
what which I can never remember which Spider-Man book it was. He did that, and he's doing Daredevil. <laughs> wow. There's too many Spider-Man books is what I'm trying to say. You don't say. You shock me, sir. Wow. It's like Marvel are milking it for money. Anyway, uh, I think Sean it was Ross. called. I think it was called the Another Spidey Man book. Yeah, yet yeah. another Spidey book that you must buy if you love Spidey. Yes, Exclamation point. Yeah. yeah, the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man you must buy if you're a true Spider Man fan. Exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah. Chip Zdarsky presents <laughs> the other Spider Man book <laughs> that you must buy. Exclamation point. Sean Ross at Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast said, I will buy anything written by Tom King. Thankfully, I made that rule after being blown away by Grayson and Amiga Men, so I was in on Sheriff of Babylon and Vision from the start. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to have a chat about Heroes in Crisis one day, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to tell me what I think, because I don't know. Anyway, uh, we heard from Jeffrey Brown at Tezigo, and he said, Naturally, I would say Grant Morrison. I adore his work. But today, I'll say Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. For me, their work in the creator and titles would get me interested in seeing what other comics they would be working on at the Big Two and other places. Also, Michael Allred. So they're, they're the phonogram guys, aren't they? And uh, Yeah, Wicked, and Divine. Uh, Wicked yeah. Divine. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they did uh, Young Avengers for Marvel as well. Ah, um, yes. Uh, a few years back, uh, which which was... Hugely popular. A massive yeah. following. Yeah. Uh, Saul Bishop chimed in with Grant Morrison. I'll buy anything he does in whatever format at whatever company. Since he's mostly at DC anyway, I'd say Mark Wade as my runner-up. Okay, more mm-hmm. love for Grant, which is yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Wade's doing a fair bit for Marvel at the moment. Anyway. Is he? Okay. Yeah, he's doing those uh, Avengers Weekly. Yeah. Uh, okay. His... Sorry, I couldn't find anything called Avengers Wackily. <laughs> Shut up, Siri. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Stay out of it. Get your own show. <laughs> oh. Chip Zdarsky presents Spider Man and Siri. <laughs> um, and then we heard from uh, Warlock Thanos podcast. I believe that's Al Sedano. He said, Got to second this one. Hell, because of Morrison, I'm buying a Hal Jordan book. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's pretty good. It's fun. Is it? Okay. Uh, it is. I've, yes. I've I've gone off Green Lantern of of recent since Rebirth. Well, I I was just like, eh, this, nah. This feels really different and fresh and not the same. So uh, yeah, I might I might trade weight it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dougie Doug Zavisha, our fellow Doombro, he replied with his answer of George Perez and Mark Wade. Oh, the retiring George Perez. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, we heard from David Gonzo, Atomic Merkin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very amusing. Um, uh, I don't believe we've had a reply from David before. No. He said Mike Allred and Grant Morrison too. Classy. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, David. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Carl Bakey at Sea Bakeware replied with, Sheesh, was going to say Grant Morrison because I buy everything I come across, but for the sake of variety, Max Bemis. He wrote the latest run of Moon Knight, uh, Lucy Dreaming from Boom Studios, and he's the front man of one of my favourite bands, Say Anything Muzz. Or maybe that's meant to be Say Anything Music. So Okay, so Max Bemis for Carl. I don't think I've ever read anything by Max. No, I don't think I have either. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Martin Gray, a man of few words, um, said Jerry Ordway, <laughs> Keith Giffen, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, Kurt Busiek, 
Paul Levitz, Phil Jimenez, Jeff Parker, Gail Simone, Alan Davis, Grant Morrison, Nicholas Scott, John Ostrander, J.M.D. Mateus, loads more. Could we have Kurt Schaffenberger back? Uh, yeah, uh, the concise okay. answer, and yeah. Yeah, and that's our show, of... folks. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of hacks. That's... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Nick at Nick RDE replied with current Tom Taylor. Then Nick also said, also, John Byrne, even if he sometimes is a jerk. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Nick continued on, oh, and pretty much uh, Chris Claremont and Alan Davis, and I'll stop. Okay. Ah. So he's, he's starting to do a mart there. Okay. Good to hear someone putting Tom Taylor on the list, because Tom Taylor is, um, I think he's fantastic. He does some good stuff, old Tom. He yeah. does some great stuff. Uh, we heard from Fractures, who's Blast Doom Frack. Um, Frack! Hey! And he said, uh, Morrison, Tom King, and Tom Kayla. They were the first... Did I say Tom Taylor then? I can't tell. It sounded like Tom Kayla. Tom... I'll do this again. He said, Morrison, Tom King, and Tom Taylor. There's lots of Toms. Uh, those were the first three that came to mind. Yeah, good choices there. All of them solid talents mm. putting out good stuff. Yes, I do. Like, I really like Batman by Tom King. I must admit. Okay, I, I must admit I have not read any of that. So, oh. yeah. You only read uh, Detective Comics, don't you? This is true. I only need one Bat book in my life. It's you know, I, I don't need multiple books on the one character like I don't know Spider Man has. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the Mister Miracle trade sitting there, but I don't think I'm going to get to read it until I'm past this really bad batch of. Um, crossovers on DCOCD because there's so much reading to do. (laughs) Wow, imagine that. An event show requires you to do a lot of reading. You shock me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dan Dio. (laughs) We then heard from Sergeant America on Twitter and he said, Andrea Sorrentino is a red flag that I must buy any book he puts out. His artwork is beautiful, but the layouts are what always amazes me. Nice. Cool. And someone called Featured on All the Best Podcasts? Who is that? Um, said, also many. Most recently, Tom King, Tom Taylor, Bendis, Grant Morrison, Gail Simone, Bill Sinkowitz, uh, George Perez, Jeff Johns, just off the top of my head. It's got wow. a big head. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe that's why they're featured on All the Best Podcasts. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Kyle, KB Likes Comics, replied with John Byrne. John Byrne. Okay. Yeah, One of our yeah, faves no. on the show, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at Byrne in the 80s, he's great. Yeah. 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 And then you can stop. Uh, yeah, you could stop if you want, but you don't have to. Do what you want. <laughs> Chris, who's at BTO and Bat Books. Chris, from uh, he's from the Professor Frenzy show, and he helps out with uh, Batgirl to Oracle, etc. Uh, he said, wow, I didn't realise how much easier this would have been for me to answer in the late 70s and 80s. I'm not deliberately leaving off other names, but Brian K. Vaughan came to my mind first. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's, uh, saga, or Saga, oh. where you're from. <laughs> saga. 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 <laughs> Cigar. Yeah, no. <laughs> Aspects, of... <laughs> Aspects of a new, who I don't think we've heard from before, but thanks for joining us. Uh, they replied with Jeff Johns and Gal Simone. Yeah, nice. yeah good choices. Oh. Um, John Barry. Um, I presume it's not the late uh, composer. 
But he said, uh, since this is the Grant Morrison Memorial List, I'll add Jeff Lemire. Good choice. But, okay. What's your favourite right. Jeff Lemire? Um, I'm trying to think of Jeff Lemire. Um, Descender? Descend- yeah, I love Descender. I, I, I've just gone completely blank. I'm trying to remember what of his I've read. Um, he didn't do mind management, did he? No, no, that's that Matt Kint. That's Matt Kint. Um, I'm more of a Kint man than a Lemire man. Um, because there was... Trillium I read, but I didn't... It didn't wow me as much as it did other people. Uh, but Descender. Big fan of Descender. And I, I've got Ascender on my pull list, which is the sequel series to that. So, very it's much... All building, it's all building to Crescenda. Oh, God. Sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> you can have that, uh, Jeff. <laughs> uh, we then heard from Zap who is at Zap79534147 on the Twitters uh, and Zap said Grant Morrison Scott Snyder Tom King only if it's a miniseries and Jeff Johns oh Ooh. okay so a bit f- of bit of Tom King but within limits is that the first Scott Snyder we've had on this list it is yeah mm. wow okay the Batman who shows up again yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we heard from Dane Childers on the Twitter, and uh, Dane said, "If Mitch Gerards or Todd McFarlane are drawing it, I'm buying it." Nice. Oh, artist-centric. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Daron Murphy uh, replied with, uh, "Warren Ellis hasn't disappointed me yet." Cool. Yeah, I've been on a bit of a Warren Ellis kick, reading a few of the you know lesser-known books he's done in the last few years lately. Okay. Yeah, Cemetery Beach was fantastic. I mean, it was just a crazy action uh, comic, but uh, very well done. Uh, We heard from Mike Harbour at Harbour underscore Mike, and Mike said, Gail Simone, double exclamation mark. Yes, well, she's worth it. Mm. I do Uh, enjoy Domino. Domino's great. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, over on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page, we heard from Franco Alexander, and Franco said, Grant Morrison, Mike Allred, and now Mark Russell. Last year I would have said Tom King, but then he crashed and burned Batman and Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> oh dear. Wow. Uh, harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, we heard from Gonzalo Martin Ruiz, and uh, he said, Grant Morrison, my first Green Lantern comic book was his number one issue. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You've missed and a lot of stuff, but it looks great. <laughs> this is true. Uh, and Jared Driscoll wrote in with Chris Sprouse. I'll buy anything he pencils. Oh, that's a good choice. Mm. And we got an email before we give our answers. Let's do this email. Uh, we heard from Dr. Ange, and Ange says, Hey, guys, it's been too long since I emailed, so my apologies. Apology accepted, Ange. Um, I have to say, I, should, I was a little... Sorry? I should bloody well, I should bloody well think so, Ange. <laughs> yes. And Ange writes, I have to say, I was a little bummed you guys didn't delve into the TV show more. I was hoping for a full-blown review. Still, I have to agree with you that it was awesome. I loved it, and I love how it leaned heavily into the comics. The painting scene, Jane turning into the giant sunhead personality. Uh, that's called Sun Daddy. Um... Cliff and Larry's origins, it all worked. And as you say, the new wrinkles in their stories added some pathos. They were, in a way, before their accents. Of course, Larry being gay isn't that, but for his times it was. I suppose it adds one more layer for our heroes to overcome. 
As for Rita's porn, my guess it was just an actress that looked like her and not Mento or Rouge. Uh, after all, I have seen Tijuana Bibles and lookalike prostitutes in LA Confidential. That said, Mento does do unsavory things in the Giffen Clark run. Yes, he does. Hang on, hang on. Did, did Angus just admit to owning Tijuana Bibles? I'm not sure. Ah, ah, collecting them as well. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. He is one of the Tijuana Bible super bloggers, I believe. So. <laughs> That must be on the dark web. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> the one thing I'll say that is that I found the sex a bit too gratuitous. I was hoping to watch this with my kids and then give them the trades, but hard to watch that with your teenage daughters. Mm. Mm. As for the story you covered, I got both Weird Worlds and My Greatest Adventure. I thought the Tanga story was great fun with fantastic art, but for someone craving Doom Patrol stories, this Robot Man stuff didn't work. You want great Weird World stories? Check out the 70s book with Chaken's Iron Wolf. Which is a nice segue into the question of the week. I've been a Chaikin fan since the 80s, and his work is always challenging. I'll give his work a shot. Morrison is always someone I'll always buy as well. For newer creators, I'd say Kelly Sue DeConnick, Steve Orlando, and Joel Jones always get a Guernsey. I changed his word, try to Guernsey. So. You did. You, you <laughs> ozzed it up. <laughs> ozzed it up, mate. Oz as. Well, I can, you know, considering how often Ange goes on about men at work, he's. An honorary Aussie, I guess. So, yeah, he's a dirty Aussie. Um, yeah, but good to see mention of Kelly Sue DeConnick. Uh, mm. uh, she's having a big week, I believe. And yes. Steve Orlando and Joelle Jones. Yeah, mm. excellent. Great artist, Joelle. She was at HeroesCon. Was she? She was. Did you Did you go to HeroesCon? I did, yeah. Okay. But foolishly, yeah. I didn't get her to sign anything because I didn't have anything that she did. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh. Anyway. Uh, what about your answer, Mike? I was going to split one? it between... I, I have. I was going to split it between writers and artists, but there are just far too many writers that I'm not even going to bother now. But the one I will always buy when I can afford to uh, would be Evan Dockshainer. I love his art. Uh, in fact, the only original Patreon comic book I own is from uh, his work on a Flash Gordon series by Dynamite from a few years back. I just, I, I love his, he's got beautiful clean lines and his characters are always so expressive and I, I could just sit and read anything he's, he's been attached to as the artist for Till I Die and I'd be a happy man. Wow. I love his stuff. Oh, awesome. Absolutely adore it. What about you, Paul? Um, oh, I'm going to marry Mark Russell. I mean, I it's... I <laughs> finally, you finally admit it. <laughs> finally. Don't... Look, I, I'm so happy for you and Mark that this day has finally come. Thank you. You don't shut up about him, and um, I'm just glad he's reciprocated your feelings. Yeah, and I mean, this week, of course, we got the news that uh, his controversial comic, which isn't really controversial because no one's read it, Second Coming... <laughs> has been picked up by Ahoy Comics. So it's going to get... Mm. Uh, after DC got scared and yeah. pushed out, um, and now it's coming out from Ahoy Comics in a few months. So that's mm. good news, because um, I wanted to read that, because uh, Mark Russell is the man. He is um, my favourite writer at the moment. Uh, um, but I keep it quiet. I keep it quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a bit of a coup for Ahoy Comics, because I haven't heard of them before. Uh, either they're brand new, or they're just... They don't put out much that grabs my eye, but now I think everyone's going to be going, "Ah, oh, Ahoy Comics!" Right, Mark Russell. Oh, they've been around a bit. Sorry, <laughs> it's a crazy voice. <laughs> Sorry, my voice just broke. Um, 
Oh, wow, you're on roll tonight. Your voice wow. is broken. You're marrying Mark Russell. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've been around about a year, so they've done a few ah, interesting okay. titles. They do okay. Captain Ginger and uh, High Heaven and uh, um, Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror. And, okay. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Wrong Earth, which is about right. uh, a superhero from a sort of goofy oh, okay, world going yes. to a gritty world. So Yes, right. And vice versa. I... I have seen some art and pages from that. Okay. Yeah. I'm with it's all you good now. stuff. Right. All good. Cool, cool. Yeah. All righty. Wow. Well, we've finally <laughs> got to live in the mailbag and uh, to the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a show. Oh, <sighs> packed as. So, yeah. It's packed like something with lots of stuff in it. Um, okay. <laughs> I think next time... <laughs> Next time we come back, we're going to do... I think it's time for another Waiting for Doom because we did two DCOCDs in a row and we need to get the universe back into balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming back next time and we're going to talk about some... Um, around the time of Infinite Crisis, a bit of Teen Titans. Teen yeah. Titans. Which um, features the Doom Patrol, which is hence the reason we're talking about. Not just Teen Titans for the sake, but um, because of Doom Patrol. Yeah. So yeah. something new for us. Um, and after that, it's uh, we're coming back for a DCOCD, and we're going to do uh, Identity Crisis, the comic that everyone loves and adores. Mm. 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 No one ever got upset by that one. No. Yes. No. no. <laughs> anyway, Mark, thanks for coming along. You've um, you know been a podcasting partner tonight in you know, every way. Thanks, I think. <laughs> Um, do we before we go? Do we want to let people know what the next question of the week is? Maybe oh, I I don't know what I'm doing and what I'm going to say at any point. So um, no. Would, yeah. would you like me to tell you what the question of the week is? <laughs> what is the question of the week for next time, Mike? Apparently, according to the script I have before me, <laughs> the next question of the week is: Who is your favourite comic character that you don't want to see headlining a comic? Ah, that's that's a weird one. That's. Well, of someone who you think is good in a comic but isn't a star of a comic, like um, Batman or something. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. I think I explained that very well. Anyway. I don't think you did, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to waitingfordoom at gmail.com. Um, you can get in touch on Twitter at WFDPod. Um, and one day we'll unleash our Doom Patrol website called Waiting for Doom. Yeah, one day. It's it's getting there. At this stage. At this stage, take a drink. Um, (laughs) It's been to Eric has gone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's (laughs) getting there. (laughs) Alrighty, guys. uh, Stay weird, be good to each other, don't be a crumb bum, and we'll catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Bloody Doom. Good lord. <laughs> Went off off the script a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Look, I, I I think you're just excited about your uh, embedding nuptials to Mark Russell. <laughs> <laughs> wow, goodness me. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Fantastic. Anyway, is that ticking that I hear?
You bet your sweet behind it is, Paul, and that is the Doom Clock. It is a sweet behind. Thank that, you. That <laughs> that Doom Patrol <laughs> tattoo you've got on it. That. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Doom Patrol. <laughs> That's the, the classiest tramp stamp I've ever seen. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> That's all right. I'm here yeah. for you, bro. <laughs> okay. Three, two, 